Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. I just want to, I've got a message this morning, but I just want to say a few things, just a few lines, and I, I just think they're going to help some people this morning, and they're literally just one-liners, but uh, this is what they are. If you want to help yourself, you need to help someone else. Don't sit as a victim any longer. Become a victor. All right, if you want to help yourself... You need to start helping somebody else. You want to get out of something, help someone else get out of it, all right? People here have been sitting, what about me, what about me? And yes, you have legitimate needs, I understand that. But God is saying to you, it's, it's time. to the, From now on, how, how you're going to help yourself is by helping somebody else. Ecclesiastes 11 says this. I'm going to read it, actually, because I put a marker in it. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. God has spoken to people this morning immediately upon hearing Matthew, and he's told you to give. And you have immediately told God it is not the right time. So God is immediately telling you it is the right time. And maybe the breakthrough you're wanting for is this today, right now. Maybe this is the, the vehicle to the miracle you want is again helping someone else's miracle come to pass. And I bet you the miracle you're wanting is probably not the scale of the miracle Matthew is wanting. So partner with a miracle that is bigger than the miracle of your own and your miracle just becomes collateral to the greater miracle. Who, he who observes the wind or will not plant. Oh no, it's, bad. it's not the right time. It's not the right season. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Oh, double-mindedness. Oh. Do it today. 50 businesses, $100 a week. We are the head and not the tail. We're not playing catch-up. We are setting the pace, okay? We're not letting the world set the pace for the church. Why cannot the church set the pace for the world? Yes, we can see families restored after 30 years, well, why can't it be 15? Why can't it be 10? Why can't it be quicker than the projected, you know, return or the projected regeneration? When God revives something, it doesn't go from death to semi-alive to a little bit more alive to actually alive. No, it goes from death to life. He is able and this is the last one. This is the last one-liner. I might have some more, but this is the last one. Um, I was watching Stephen Furtick, single-handedly the most brilliant preacher on the face of the earth, in my opinion. And um, he's a freak, like, honestly, he's a beast. But he said this. He says, don't allow your wisdom from today. Some of you might have watched this because he's all over the... Don't Use your wisdom today to beat you up about yesterday's mistakes because your wisdom today came from yesterday's mistakes, right? 
Your wisdom came from yesterday's mistake. So don't use what yesterday purchased to beat you up about what yesterday was. Use what yesterday purchased you for the wisdom today for it to propel you forward into the new thing that God has for you tomorrow. But so many of us, we learn something, we gain wisdom from it, then we use that wisdom as a beating rod to whack us. I can't believe you were so stupid. I can't believe you made that decision. I can't believe you did that thing. But yesterday, you had no idea about it. It's only because you did it that you've gained wisdom for today. So use the wisdom, the mistake purchased you to take you onwards and upwards, not backwards and downwards. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, team. Right. I just think a few people needed to hear and if you hear nothing else but one of those lines for you this morning, I'm really happy for you. So we're in our God, uh, Money and Me series this month. And I think it's fitting that we're talking about finance um, in this month. That we're also uh, letting you guys uh, know this, this new initiative that uh, is going to roll out in church. But last, last week when I opened the series, I, I kind of threw a few questions uh, out there, but I didn't actually provide a huge amount of answers to some of those questions. So I'm just going to answer some of those those questions uh, this morning, and then I'm going to preach a little bit out of uh, Mark chapter 16. But uh, so so there's you know God talks a lot in the Bible about money and finance and possessions, like a, an, an, a lot more than you would talk about maybe some other deemed, you know, uh, cool or on, on vogue topics. Um, the, somehow all throughout the Bible, there's, there's God calling his people to sacrifice and to give like cover to cover the whole way through. Uh, so it's an important topic to God. And I know it's an important topic to you because you spend all your life trying to earn enough money, unless you're one of the few that has maybe got a great windfall or an inheritance or a lottery. I'm not sure if uh, that is you because I haven't noticed it in the tithe, so it probably isn't you, anyone in this church. Um, and if it is you, you might want to go and check on that. Uh, I'll address that question. Um, <laughs> but it's important to God because He knows how important it is to us. He knows that you are going to spend nine till five, if not longer, five days a week earning money. And then the other thing you're going to spend a lot of your life doing is spending the money you've spent your life earning. So it's important that we deal with it in a godly and fashionable way. Because he knows the, the grip that it has on the human heart. He actually says the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself, but the insatiable drive and the things that humans will do to get more of it is disgusting. Human trafficking, manufacturing and selling drugs, exploiting people, all in the sake of earning a little bit more money. It's a heinous mark on humanity. Pride and greed. It's disgusting. But anyway, husbands and wives disagree on how much to give or to give it all. I'm not going to talk about that one this morning. <laughs> I'm hoping you're still talking about it at lunchtime, though. Maybe more of an argument than a talk, but whatever gets you across the line. 
People want to know why the church needs money. Really valid question. Um, as Matthew and Sarah uh, mentioned, we have a board uh, that manages our board of directors. It's Sarah and myself, Jacob Morris, who is on guitar and backup vocals today. Matthew Leite, who is on stage. Is Phil King in the room? Oh, Philip King's. Oh, Matthew's on Little Ones. Um, he's on the board of Little Ones also. Um, <coughs> so, so, for your information, this church current day, um, it costs $40,000 a month to operate. Uh, that is overseen by the board of directors that I've just told you. They're the ones who deal and, and manage the finances. Uh, so people often, well, how much does it cost to run a church and, and why do we need to give? You know, it's $40,000 a month to keep church functioning as it is. That's not to take us into the future. That's not any special savings. That's, that's just to keep the doors open. But it's Sunday morning service, when, uh, Sunday evening online service, prayer meetings on Monday nights, prayer service meeting on Wednesdays, youth on Wednesday night, running the office pretty much every day of the week. Um, there's a lot going on in this church every given day. I go to the gym up the road every morning, and um, they're like, man, church is always busy. I'm like, too right it is. You should come. You'll love it. Um, now, I'd really like to believe that mine and yours motivation to give was not based on need, but rather on godly obedience. The tithe that we tithe not just because there is a need, but we tithe because we want to live lives that are godly and pleasing to Him. That is my heart for you. Obedience has not become irrelevant. The New Testament and the New Covenant, New Covenant is far more about obedience than the law ever was. The New Covenant is a covenant of obedience. Jesus, I'm going to get to know you, and I'm going to walk in obedience with you. The law was, well, I'm doing it because I have to. Because if I don't, I might cop one of the best. So it hasn't grown irrelevant. It has grown far more personal than it ever has. Our challenge is to choose to do that which God has asked. And it is your choice. And I would say, choose what God asks. A church filled with people that are walking in obedience will know no lack, nor will the, church, uh, the community that the church is planted in. A church that exists and its people are walking in obedience with God and not just the area of giving. This is a, you know, a holistic thing, but we're looking at finances this month. A church that is filled with people who are walking in obedience of God, that church will know no lack and that community will also know no lack because that church will be living in abundance or in, or in God's prosperity, not just in provision. Not living with just, and at the moment I'm telling you, we're living in just enough. We're living, we get, we, we are operating like week to week, month to month. And the, the heart is that this church would be a, a spring, it would overflow. It wouldn't just be a, a pond that is, has just enough. And the call for me to all of us this month is that you would choose to be obedient with what God is asking you to do. Psalm 34 says, Fear the Lord, you, His holy people, for those who fear Him lack nothing. 
The lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The emotional rush that comes from meeting an immediate need does lose its shine. However, those who are walking in faith and godly obedience actually shine brighter and brighter. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining brighter and brighter till the full light of day. So why I'm not preaching need to you this morning is because I want you to be walking in obedience, not walking just in responding to a need. Responding to a need is good and it is fitting, but there's needs in the community we need to be responding to. If the church is walking in godly obedience to bring the tithe into the storehouse, then the needs in the community will be met. Like it's fabulous that Matthew is doing what he's doing and that God has given him a supernatural vision of a hundred hundred, but it's, we need the businessman maybe because the church isn't doing what it should be. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm asking you this morning, are you walking in godly obedience when it comes to biblical financial management or aren't you? Are you bringing a whole tithe into the storehouse or are you keeping it for yourself? Are you eating the grain that should be sown and finding yourself hungry for the future harvest? Or are you sowing that which God has given you so there's a continual harvest in your life? Or is it just when it gets bad we we sow or we pray? We walk in obedience with God. And I don't want to come on heavy, but I do want to give you the Bible because we are in church and God still believes in his word like he always has. People think, so that brings me to my next question on your behalf, that people think it's Old Testament and irrelevant. The tithe originated with Abraham, not Moses. And Abraham, according to God, is our father. We are children of faith, not law. Abraham's faith was credited to him at righteousness. Watch this. This is in you know, Genesis 14. It's New Testament living in the Old Testament. Je- uh, Genesis, Abraham's faith was credited to him as, as, as righteousness, not as works. Not as law. There was no law. This is like way back. I remember we had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, 400 years of slavery, the exile, then the law. So we're going way back. So Abraham has a personal relationship with God. It is a faith-based relationship, and the fruit of his faith in God is righteousness. Sounds very similar to the New Testament when it says, you are saved by grace, not works of your own that no one should boast. So yes, tithing has its origin in the Old Testament, but it does not have its origin in the law. It has its origin in faith. Abraham walked with God. He had a personal relationship with God, and through his personal relationship with God, this is where it was origined. And in the book of Hebrews, God is speaking. He says, in my eyes, Abraham, you fock a papa spiritually to Abraham, not Moses. So it's not Old Testament and it's not irrelevant. People think we can choose. 
to what we tithe. You should tithe everything. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'll take a tithe of your time. Yeah. Like how many hours a week are there? Seven times, no, sorry, seven times 24. That's way out of my maths. But it's about 18 hours a week or something. Genesis 4, even earlier than Abraham, Cain and Abel are bringing sacrifices. Why? Because God spoke to them and told them to. There was no book. They weren't like, what does it say in, you know, chapter and verse. No, they, Cain and Abel, these are the sons of Adam and Eve. Like, this is, this is getting right back to the very beginning. They had a personal relationship with God. They walked with him. And God told them to bring him sacrifices. It says, Abel brought what God asked, but Cain, this would be the worst time to get them mixed up, eh? So I'll just turn to it. (laughs) In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked on fa- looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So v- Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, "So this is implying a personal relationship." He said to him, he spoke to him. He says to Cain, "Why are you angry? Like why is this bugging you?" What's God under your skin? Why is your face downcast? He says this, and this is what God says to him. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You just got to get over that thing. They had a personal relationship with God. God said to Cain and Abel, he must have had the same conversation, bring a certain offering a certain sacrifice Cain took exception to what God said and said you know what I'm going to bring whatever I please I'm just going to do what I want and and then God says to him why is why is this making you upset I've communicated it to you so clearly I thought I well he didn't God doesn't say I thought I told you and Abel the same thing Don't let this get under your skin. Just get over it. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. And money has a magical way of taking people out of their faith, of getting people's noses out of joint because you're not ruling over it. You're letting it rule over you. Like, who's in charge? And God says to Cain and Abel, like, why are you so angry? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? And yes, God loves you and God accepts you. And, but although grace abounds, let not sin abound with it. Although grace abounds, let us more and more find the power and the tenacity and the energy to keep living a life that is godly and in step with Him. And then the, the fulfillment that comes with that life, is immense. I'm going to finish with this scripture. Psalm 119. And uh, sorry, team, I didn't actually get to the, the actual scripture. This is what, you know what, I'm going to read it out of here again because I love this thing. 
Psalm 119, verse 36. Psalms 119 is so long. Oh, here we go. I was in 120. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. And I think that would be a great prayer for every single one of us to be praying in this series. Lord, turn my heart towards your guidance, your statutes, your examples, your principles, your ideas your motivations, turn, because it's always an issue of the heart. It's not turn my head, Lord, don't, you know, make this make sense. No, it's God, turn my heart towards you. You cannot serve two masters. You love one and you, you hate the other. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Lord, may I seek first your, sounds like New Testament. May I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That all these things, all these promises may then be added unto me. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Not all that glitters is gold. I mean like kingdom gold. Like what is of value to the world? That's what the Bible says. What is it to gain the world yet forfeit your soul? What is it to add many nice things to your life and live in Western white privilege if you're void of connection with God? You've lost your life for the shallow gains of a Western world package. Or like Jesus says to the Pharisees, you're like a clean fridge that's been turned off for three years and what's on the inside has gone off. Turn my eyes from worthless things and preserve my life according to your word. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.